focusing on an emerging generation of kings. Job chapter 36, very quickly. I came on a mission today to destroy the spirit of poverty. Only five people seem excited about it. Thank you to everybody who has been sharing, downloading, streaming, buying. Um, I'm not alone. The album and the attendant merch. Thank you very much. A new video was released on Friday. Yeah, many of you have, have not had time to watch it. Please watch it because many of you have not seen it. Except you are the listening party. Do watch it. Sure, it's called Shouts of Victory. Ole, 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 ole. Not oleo. There's <laughs> a sound of joy, excitement, victory. So let's go real quick. Job chapter 36, 5 to 12. Job 36, 5 to 12. I am sending something to Pastor Larry right now so you can check your devices. Yeah. All right, let's do that. If we have it, beautiful. I love that. I'm going to read alone for time's sake and I call your attention to one or two verses as we go along. But please follow with your heart and your minds. Behold, God is mighty, but despises no one. He is mighty in strength of understanding. He does not preserve the life of the wicked, but he gives justice to the oppressed. He does not withdraw his eyes from the righteous. Look at your neighbor and say, God's got his eyes on you. Somebody who feels like God doesn't see me, God doesn't know me, God doesn't care about me. How can I be going through this jobless scenario or situation in my life? How can things not be working for me? The Bible says that God does not withdraw his eyes from the righteous. In other words, what it means is, if Jerry is righteous, are you righteous? Are you the righteousness assessment officer? Are you righteous? Alright, so I'm God and I'm, I'm, I've got my eyes on you. Minister, would you come and tap me? Um, if I come and tap me, gifts come and tap me. Just be behind me so you can see my face. I've got my eye on Jerry. I've got my eye on Jerry. I'm looking at him. Tap me, tap me here. On the, the default setting of human beings is that if somebody taps you, you slap them. <laughs> <laughs> Some of you get that irritated with being tapped, right? But that's not default. Default is you at least give them the attention. Are you following? Keep tapping me. Right? But God says, I am so focused on the righteous. I give the righteous my full attention. This this tapping part, tapping me. (laughs) You have to tap. I didn't say beats. God says my focus is fixed on on you because my nature is on the inside of you. So my eyes are on you. He does not withdraw his eye from the righteous. Somebody ought to get excited where it feels like 
God has not seen you. His full attention is on you. He has not turned for one moment. When you messed up, when you failed, when you didn't pray, when you didn't give your offering, when you were wrote Master Life three times. Yes. You are not to pack, but you have B.I.G. Blessed in God. And all his eyes are on you. Sample out to young to understand that. That word. Somebody shout God's eyes are on me. Let that be a seated concept in your mind. God's eye, they are on me. He does not withdraw it. He does not withdraw it. In other words, God has an account of attention on you and does not withdraw it. The enemy is going to do everything in your life to convince you that God has forsaken you, forgotten you, ignored you, or that you're on one long queue. That you can't even see the end. It's like an angel has given you a tally number. Some of you don't know what tally number is. Back then in the banking hall, you couldn't just walk up to a counter. You had to sit somewhere. And then they'll give you a tally number. Oftentimes on wooden discs. That's me, but do you remember that time? Yeah? Some of you can. You can't relate. Then after a while, they will laminate the paper. Or write on brown paper with marker. You have to queue. Look at somebody say you're not in a queue with God. He does not withdraw his eyes from the righteous, but they are on the throne with shout it. For he has seated them forever and they are exalted. And if they are bound in fetters, if they have limitations, if there are restrictions in their lives, if there are manifest issues in their lives, if there are uh, boundaries that they can't seem to break through, if there are things that seem to define them or limit their productivity, if they are held in the course of affliction, if there are cyclical patterns of pain in the life of the believer, what does he tell them? He tells them their work. He shows them where they missed it or what they need to work on. He's saying that the default setting of the believer is that he's supposed to be seated with kings. Because he's the one that God gives jurisdictional authority and capacity on the earth to govern things. Whether he's in government or not. Righteousness is God's road to the earth. Righteousness is God's entry point to the earth. If somebody wants to go somewhere, you know, sometimes when the president wants to come to a part of, of town and the town is dilapidated, they are going to fix the road, right? That's when they start painting, renovating the town hall or something to make it fit for the king. For God to enter into a place, he has to fix the place and it fixes the place with the highway of holiness, with the road of righteousness. 
Because righteousness is the access point of God's manifestations into the earth. Are you following this now? So God's preferred method of governing the earth is through righteous people. It says that the kingdom shall be upon his shoulder. So the administration of God is predicated on the vehicle of righteous people. However, sometimes the righteous people are bound. Next verse now. Sometimes they are in fetters. Sometimes their hands are tied. Their feet are in cords. They are not able to move. So what does God do? Verse 9, what does God do? He tells them they are So, sometimes you are one walk away from freedom from chains. So, there are loads of people in deliverance house, and I'm not saying don't go for special prayers. I'm saying there are loads of people who think that special prayers is what God is going to use to transform their lives. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. In other words, whenever you are in a protracted season where your feet are bound and your hands are in cords, it is often because, often because there is a divine instruction principle, template, methodology that you are not completely aligned with. He tells them they are walking their transgressions. The next line, can you read it? Can you shout it? Can you shout it? That they have acted defiantly. What what does he do? Verse 10. What does he do? Shout louder. Shout louder. What iniquity? Inequity or inequality. Which means that sometimes the righteous is iniquity. What does that mean? You are praying 100%, you are working 10%. So your prayer and your work are unequal. You shout with energy in the house of God, the corporate gathering I mean. But when it's time to rebuke that demon, when it comes to temptation, you don't shout. That's iniquitous. It's a gap. It's a lag. And God says, I need to fix that. Verse 11. This is what many people like to quote verse 11. Read it. Shout louder. That is what many people quote. Oh, if I serve God and obey him, I will spend my days in prosperity, my years in pleasure. But there is something God needs to correct in our minds. And it says, I need to open your ear to instruction. So this morning is going, thank you very much people. This morning is going to be very instructive. You will need to take a lot of notes. You need to use your mind. But I also want you to be actively involved in responding appropriately. Let's go real quick to Psalm 35 verse 27. Psalm 25 verse 27. Time's sake, I'm going to read. Let them shout for joy. 
and be glad who favor my righteous cause and let them say continually let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say God is pleased with my prosperity. Say to the other neighbor because the first neighbor doesn't sound like they are very excited about your prosperity. Tell that person say God is pleased by my prosperity. Say my prosperity gives God pleasure. Now tell the other neighbor that was looking with a straight face. Tell him today I will receive instruction. My ears are open. My heart is attentive. My spirit is receptive. I lay down my prejudices and my biases and my fault of theology I open up the vista of expectation I receive the rain of heaven the Holy Spirit is my teacher he guides me into all truth I will see wealth as God sees it I will see riches as God sees it I will not be seduced by demonic enticements perfect to say something I will not be carried away by the pressure of my environment I will not be pulled back by centuries of lies and half truths in the name of Jesus I embrace the word of God as a child I receive it with meekness I receive the engrafted word of God that is able to save my soul. I have a healthy theology of money and poverty in the name of Jesus. Somebody give God praise right now. Lord, I take authority over every lying spirit, over every seductive spirit, every manipulative spirit. I break their hold and their grip upon the minds of your people in the name of Jesus. I proclaim that there is clarity and there is light. Wherever there are things hiding in the subconscious mind that sabotage your agenda, wherever there might be things seeking to skew the word, seeking to manipulate and twist the word, seeking to confuse your people, I proclaim that there is no room, no vacancy. I uproot from this house deception and half-truths in the name of Jesus. I uproot from this house poverty thinking poverty stinking the roots and the spirits the manifestations of poverty in the different shades and form in the name of Jesus I come against idolatry materialism monasticism any kind of fault of theology in the name of Jesus thank you father for we have prayed in Jesus name you already can sense this morning one of my assignments this morning is to break somebody's marriage to poverty 
Because years and years and years of conditioning has found many people, many believers swinging from one side of the pendulum to another side of the pendulum. So what generally happens is most believers are either in a romantic relationship with poverty or a romantic relationship with materialism. Most believers believe that they are supposed to be very, very poor for them to be pious or holy or at least appear poor. So there's some believers who are not poor. Some of us know certain denominations where they are billionaires and some of those denominations. But sometimes when you look at them physically, there is nothing comely or attractive or anything that speaks of the weight or the value of what it is that they have. So some people believe that I need to look very, very tired and scrawny and scraggy. I need to look like I'm scratching the beans or like the chicken yard. Ushers don't get us distracted. Act fast, whatever you're doing over there. Some people believe that you need to just look like that. Don't don't put anything on your face. Don't I mean dress like you're from three centuries ago and, and just act as if nothing full ground. Right. But there are some other people who are on the other side of the of the pendulum who believe that they need to be materialistic. They they need to gl- have gluttony and, and show all their wealth. In fact, in some denominations as well, what you have is that people package so much. They don't have it, but they look like they have it. Who knows what I'm talking about? Look at your neighbor said, do you know what pastor is talking about this morning? So there are places where people even tell lies about testimonies that never happened. Just to act as if their God is not a liar. As if the God of heaven and earth needs your lies to look better than he is. These are the two extremes that we find in the body of Christ. Some people have taken certain vows, certain oaths because they believe that wealth is a trap. And there are others who are like they have vowed to be rich at all costs. So even though they are not yet 50 and they have more than a cent, their national anthem is get rich or die trying. Two extremes. And sometimes we want to sort of like simplify it and go, uh, we want to have this cookie cut uh, theology about money. So because we don't understand tension and because tension is very difficult, critical thinking is very tasking for many people. We try to put a defining line and separate it. Rich people are bad. Poor people are good. I used to believe that until you tried to help some poor people and they did you bad. Oh, can I talk right now? Anybody ever been there? You are trying to help somebody. You brought them into your house on the guise of good Samaritan. You didn't know they came with blood. We like to put a defining line and we say things like, if you are poor, it is because you are not praying hard enough. And if you are rich, it's because God likes you. You know, it's easy for you to draw a fine line around matters that are very complicated. Oh, are you here somebody? As I've already started speaking now, I'm already dealing with certain issues. Because some people believe that if you're a poor believer, it means you're not praying well enough. You don't believe the word of God enough. You are not claiming the promises of God. Look at your neighbor and say it's not as simple as that. Oh, if you are rich, ah, that means you give prophets offering. Ah. 
Prophet's offering is the key. After all, the Bible says, believe the Lord your God, you will be established. Believe his prophet, you will. And so we automatically make all those things. And so a lot of people in the Nigerian church, I'll deal with this next week by God's grace. A lot of people in the Nigerian church don't have a healthy theology on riches, on wealth, and poverty. Is somebody listening now? As a matter of fact, I think much of the church in Nigeria equates prosperity to spirituality. And so the enemy tries to manipulate our theology. Why? He knows he cannot change our identity. But he knows that he can distort our theology of our identity. If I can't change your identity, I can control your growth by manipulating your perception of that identity. And one of the ways in which I can manipulate your identity or your perception of it is by affecting your theology. One of the greatest ways to believe any lie is to make it theological. If it can theologize a lie, it will do more damage than a lie that has no religious labels on it. In other words, if I can tell you that God said, so this is why it does not matter how anointed a pastor, a prophet, apostle, or teacher is. If it says God said, and you don't find it in the word of God, is a lie. Oh my goodness. If you can't find it in the written word, Paul says we don't exalt ourselves above that which is written. In fact, when Jesus, when Jesus defeated the devil in his temptations, he never said, oh, you know what, do you know who I am? He does not defeat the devil on the strength of his personal character. He said, it is written. So the character of a man of God is not strong enough to make every preference or perception of his, your theology. Oh, I wish somebody was hearing this. Okay. Uh, is it too early? Jesus didn't defeat the devil by saying, do you know who I am? Me that I've never sinned. Do you know I was born? No. Your personal history is not kingdom theology. Your personal experience is not the truth. Your personal perception is not the whole counsel of God. And so when we demonize people who are rich or demonize people who are poor based on our cultural context or historical antecedents, that's not the word of God. Please have a look at your neighbor and say it's not that simple. It's not that simple. So when the devil really wants to create complication life of a believer, he tries to distort their theology. And I think for many of us, we have wrestled with bad theology around money. So sometimes you don't know, is it because I don't have enough money or rather I'm not praying hard enough? Let's raise our hands. Is anybody here who has ever felt the reason they didn't have enough money was they didn't really pray hard enough? Raise your hand. Just be very honest. Maybe one day or two days. Raise your hand. Raise it, raise it high. But yeah, yeah. Keep it high. Keep, keep it up. Keep it up. Join us if you ever felt it's because you did not sow enough seeds. You didn't sow enough seeds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. Join us if you felt that God was just not liking you. Just keep it. No, keep it up. Don't drop oh. God just didn't like you. God was not looking at you like that. Keep it up. You felt it was because of your past. You did many bad things in the past. Keep it up if 
Okay, so those whose hands are not up, you guys have been billionaires from birth, or you don't think about you don't think about money at all. It's not a consideration in your psychology, right? Keep it up. If you fell, um, it's because you were not born an American citizen. <laughs> this Canada, you must go at least be close. <laughs> now, how many of you? Maybe you heard a testimony in church and you judged the person's morality and character. I say, this person is not even as spiritual as I am. Raise your hand. Look at your neighbor and say, help is coming. For those who are wondering what the title for the message is, by and large, I waved poverty what? So let me give you about six popular theological frameworks that are faulty when it comes to money and riches and wealth. One of the very faulty things about money is our faulty theologies is the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel, which I believe was incubated in America, or at least popularized in America, and because Africans just love whatever comes out of America, we adopt everything, including faulty theology. We are grateful. Let me start from gratitude. We are grateful for the missionaries. We are grateful for um, the evangelists. We are grateful for the grants. The American church has blessed Africa in different ways. Technology, grants, even prayers, sacrifices. So we must be grateful for that. However, the American church has also exported into Nigeria. Africa, but Nigeria is the biggest consumer. Right? Faulty theology around prosperity. And so one of the major things about prosperity gospel is that Christ came into the world so that you can be materially rich. Sometimes it's overt. Sometimes it is covert. But many of us are even shocked to hear that that's erroneous. Didn't Christ die so that I will be rich? Hey, hey, Pastor Waller. <laughs> Did Jesus Christ not die so that we prosperous? When you look at what the Bible says, the Bible says that the Son of Man came, was made manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now understand something. The enemy can make you rich. Oh come on somebody talk to me. How do I know? The devil appeared before Jesus and said to him. If you bow to me. I will give to you. All the kingdoms of this world. And Jesus didn't say. No he's a lie. You don't have the kingdoms. Jesus doesn't say, no, it's a lie. Me, I have more kingdoms than you. In other words, Jesus was saying, currently, you are in possession. Come on, somebody. Of the kingdoms of the world. So watch this. If the devil can give you the kingdoms of the world, why would Jesus still have to die to give you the kingdoms of the world? 
Jesus did not promise you the kingdoms of the world. He said, fear not little flock, for it is the father's good pleasure to give you his own kingdom. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Some of you looking sober and sad. You're like, ah, Pastor, this is not what I came to hear. I came to hear how to be rich. We'll get there. God has a prosperity plan. But I need to detach somebody's mind from. See, because bad theology will always show up to trip you up. It will always, if you don't deal with the roots, how do I know? Jesus said, be careful of the leaven of the Pharisees. Now what's leaven? That's yeast. What's yeast? It creeps in subtly and after some time begins to swell up. In other words, if you learn God's prosperity plan and you have bad theology, when you have prosperity, you will abuse it. You will misuse it. You will um, insult people with it. You will feel high-minded with it. And we have seen this happen sometimes even in the church. Where somebody looked very humble and very pious and very meek until they had their first billion. In fact, some people, their first million. And nobody could hear what again. Prosperity gospel. And what prosperity gospel then does is that it creates a number of monstrosities. One of them is that people try to use God to make money. And so they become manipulative with their seeds and their money. As a matter of fact, there's certain cultural practices that we have imported into the church. Can I, can I say this? Let me give you an example. I, I mean no disrespect to anybody or any minister or any congregation or anything. But let me, let me just give you an example. Can somebody give me some money? Give me, give me some cash. You know the stuff that folks do? So it's time for offering. It's time for offering. Bring out your offering. Now, speak to your money. Speak to, speak to your money. Tell it. Send it on an errand. That came from African tradition religion. Paganism. Where you go to Amadio Shrine or Shongo Shrine and you take a cowrie or a penny and the Dibia or the Fabrizia, whatever you want to see, speak to this. Are you getting that? Now, the reason I have to address is some of this practice started innocently or ignorantly, but the Bible says we are not unaware of the devices of the devil. You don't speak to your money, you speak to God. When Jesus took the phylos of bread and two fish, he did not even say, multiply, multiply, multiply. The Bible says he gave thanks. And from thanksgiving, he distributed because grace is released from thanksgiving. And so one of the things that happens when money is given is grace can be released. Are you following? Ijok, Ijok, 
perverts the gospel then creates people who either try to manipulate God with their money or with their giving or creates people who feel like God doesn't like them or there is something wrong with them because if God really loves me, I should be rich by now. And so it creates tension in people's prayer altars and prayer lives. People are wondering if, and then people, I mean, we would just do all kinds of things. So Mr. Oche buys our car and then I go and tap into our car. Are you a palm wine tapper? Look at your neighbor and say, say miracles are not palm wine. Don't tap into it. I tap into it. You can give into it. You can give towards it. And you give from a selfless place of appreciation. The primary thing is not if God did it for you, you must do it. You've not even celebrated the testimony with her. Secondarily, you can believe God and be encouraged by a testimony. But that's secondary. The primary things are, eh, Mr. Uche, ha, God will do my honor. God, when? So we cultivate covetousness without knowing. And because we put a religious label on it, we say, I'm activating my faith. has led to it has led to a culture of celebrating material testimonies more than the transmission of the soul so that if somebody comes and says hey I used to sleep with my boyfriend but guess what it's been three months by the mercy of God by the ministry of grace and by my adherence to the instruction of the Holy Spirit I've not even done that <laughs> oh girl that testimony who cares Somebody comes and says, you can't believe what just happened. I went to Maryland Mall and somebody says, I'm from Maryland and you're in the mall. I feel a connection here. I will give you three million now. I didn't ask you to clap, but if you want to clap, you might as well do it from your heart. Number two, materialism, closely associated with the prosperity gospel. Materialism equates material blessing with spiritual status. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they fell into all that stuff. Because they had this grand, they had a grand ceremony. Go study that. The grand ceremony, if the Pharisees and Sadducees were moving, they had a long train. Everybody must know. That's why Jesus said, don't be like the Pharisees when you pray. That they use fancy words and they want people to know that they are praying. So it was a ceremony. They would actually appeal to the social class before speaking to God. Ladies and gentlemen, I am about to pray now. (laughs) What's going on? It's all those fancy words. Oh God of the ecclesiastical order. Material wealth. 
Now, the material materialism or the material theology was very entrenched in the times of Jesus. The people who were rich felt that it was a full sign of God's endorsement. And the people who were poor felt like God was not concerned about them and that they had no opportunity for the kingdom. This is the reason in the uh, in the Messianic declaration he said to preach good news to the poor. This is because the poor were the last to get anything in society. So they felt rejected and distanced from God. Oh. But when Jesus comes, he says, I've included the poor in my scheme of affairs. Oh, somebody's not excited about this. So even if you were born poor, there's a place for you in the kingdom. Even if you are still poor, there's a place for you in the kingdom. Even if you die poor, there's a place for you in the kingdom. I mean, I've heard people say things like, to be poor is a sin. Yeah? Who is that in the Bible? Sounds like, hey, so it's not a sin. I thought it was one of the commandments, thou shalt not be poor. It can be a sin to your soul. It can be a sin to your gifts and your skills. But in God's judgment skill, the poor have a place in the kingdom. I'll talk about God's plan for the poor. God has a plan for the poor. Now, you know the metaphor about the tithe? When it says, bring all the tithes to my house, uh, if I will not open up dunes of heaven and pour you out a blessing, is a metaphor that Jesus used. In the oldest men, the rich people were the people that could build, in fact, till now really, uh, rich people build multi-story buildings, right? You don't find poor people building multi-story buildings, even now. With all technology that you have. Right? So let me just manage one face my slap your apartment or bomb BQ in the back of Abulemu Aleru. <laughs> right? Or let me just struggle to do. Let me just tell you something. If you live in a place with Abule, Abule Ado, Abule Jesha, Abule Ocha, Abule Egba, Abule Muoleru. Abule, where else? I'll talk to you. Look at your neighbor. Say there are terms and conditions that apply. <laughs> Can I do a fault of theology first? Is somebody learning something? Okay, is somebody, has anybody been shocked or their table shaken so far? Just a little bit. But do you perceive that this is the truth? Yeah. All right. I'm dealing with ideological strongholds. Now, why does he use the windows of heaven? Because the rich people will build their high towers or their, their upper floors. And as the poor people are walking by, they will literally toss coins, monies and goodies to them. So Malachi is using that picture to say that when God is honored, the principle around the tithe is honor. It is not law. That when God is prioritized, when I'm saying it's not law, I'm saying that it is not 
the, the eternal ordinance there is the honor. That God wants the first and the best. That's an eternal ordinance. The percentage there is administrative. But the principle is first. God wants the firstborn. God wants the first and the best of your heart and your mind. When the coins are tossed, he's saying the same way a rich person opens up that window. The person that honors God with their first and their best, you are going to have an outpouring of God's resources because he can trust you and is distributing that through faithfulness if somebody gets in there. But materialism wants the money without the responsibility. Or wants to take the glory for the strength they used for the responsibility. I did it. Kalu kalu. I give God a thousand pounds. <laughs> My God. Twenty thousand dollars was what he gave me. So people think it's a formula that if you want twenty thousand dollars, please go and still borrow beg for a thousand pounds. Are you ready for more? We are ready for number three. Closely related to that, the wealth is a sign of divine approval. Faulty theology. Number four. Faulty theology. Poverty is always a result of sin. I've touched on that. Job's friends, in their narrative, they just made it seem as if, man, Job, the reason all these things are going wrong in your life is because you are sinful. You've read the book of Job, right? Say you need to repent. Meanwhile, the reason Job was suffering was not that he was sinful, was that he was separate. So not everybody who's suffering is suffering for their sins. Some people are suffering for their sanctification. Job wasn't suffering because he sinned. Yes, somebody can say there was a gateway. What was the gateway? Job 3.25. That which has come up was afraid of. That which I was afraid of. That which I feared has come upon me. That which I feared greatly has come upon me. So there was a gateway. But please tell me. Was Job the only person who was afraid? How many times have you been afraid? Did everything in your life get missing? (laughs) Doubt or not. Fear does open the door to loss. But not every loss in your life is a result of something you did wrong. For Paul said, I've counted all this as a loss. So there are losses that can happen to you accidentally or situationally, but there are losses you can choose to have. There's voluntary poverty. Oh yeah. The Bible doesn't command us to be poor. He says we should be modest. Is the quietness for me this morning. Eskimo. <laughs> so poverty is not always a result of sin. There are different reasons, and I'll, I'll look through some of the reasons for poverty. Number five, some people have the theology that wealth is inherently evil. So whenever anybody just makes money or does well, they're already suspecting the person. So this guy's a Yahoo boy. 
how did he buy that car? How, how, how? It's a lie. I've seen his future. It won't end well. Belel, future analyst. Soul destination specialist. So that girl, she's too young to be living in her apartment by herself. How did she, she cannot, she, she, she cannot be, she cannot be more than 26. She cannot be more than, what work does she do? Now, of course, I do know that some people work hard in beds. I know, there are people like that. But not everybody who is young and smart and doing well in terms of material possessions is doing the wrong thing. And that's a bad theology in, in many modest environments where they feel that if somebody is doing well or the person is advanced in a certain area, then the person must be doing something bad. It's bad theology. And number six, equating poverty as a sign of holiness or piety. That's monasticism, which means that you now take an oath of poverty. And I wish I could talk about that. People now take an oath of poverty and they say, hey, I will not have any material increase. What is perhaps the biggest denomination in the world today, the biggest denomination in the world today, if you want to be an ordained minister in that denomination, you have to take what? Two oaths. Oath of celibacy and oath of poverty. Now, what's oath of celibacy? You are saying that you do agree to not do. Even if you are in your do-do. You say you will not do. Now, now that, that can be dangerous. It can be dangerous because some people are wired to do. Some people are wired to do. It's dangerous. Now, <laughs> dangerous. And even some people who are not wired to do have times when they want to do. So there are people who don't want to do, but there are very few. Those are natural eunuchs. People who were born without <laughs> Those are without tools. People that it doesn't do them. So they don't want to do it. If you do me, I do you. But it doesn't do me. So why will I do? Alright? Now, let me, let me just give you some behind the scenes. On the surface, on the surface, it may look like and it may be presented as that we want you to focus on the word of the Lord. Focus on the work of God. Don't do anything. But can I also propose to you that's an economic template. Because the biggest need for a man is the needs of his wife and his children. So if you have an oath not to get married and not to have children, then you don't need a lot of money. Let me show you hidden insights.
You don't really need a pay raise. Because if your, your children are going to school, from primary school, most ministries have a welfare plan for the pastor. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so when the children get to primary school or secondary school, you need to increase it because, are you getting that? Now if you don't have children, you don't have to increase that. You're not giving birth to twins or triplets. You are not supposed to give birth to. What you are wearing, no three-piece suit. You are wearing the same white. Oh, come on, somebody. So, it's not really a miracle that that denomination is the richest in the world. Oh, y'all not ready for this. I need to show you the big picture before I come to you. Because you are operating in a context. And some of you don't know what the surrounding... Do you think the, the pain or the lack you're struggling with is a personal... It's not just a personal thing. There's a system in which you operate. A theological system, environmental system, psychological system. So you'll be binding demons. Some cases, the demons don't even exist. They've sponsored a system that you are subject to. Will somebody say I'm waving a goodbye today? So you take the oath of celibacy, guess what? No children, no wife. You're not supposed to have anyway. I'm saying you're not supposed to because number two, you take an oath of poverty. So you're not supposed to ride any fancy cars. Have you seen any priest from that denomination giving a testimony about how they give them a Bentley? Oh, come on, y'all. Now, because the Protestant church came out of that church, many aspects of the Protestant church also brought the ideology. And so you might have heard, be as poor as a church rat. Where is that in your Bible? Look at your neighbor, say I'm a sheep, I'm not a rat. Listen, dear believer, even if your name is Bashirat, Kudirat, Munirat, you are not a rat. You are Kudi sheep, Muni sheep, Bashi sheep. Go to five people, tell them, I hope you're hearing this morning, tell them. anyone and he gives us the qualification verse 5 Job 36 the next line this is the reason I'm laying this foundation in the first service the next line what does it say Job 36 verse 5 he said he is mighty in strength of what a man of a man who lacks understanding may get occasional testimonies but he can never break out of poverty because God is not just applying brute strength. This is the reason I'm educating your minds. And one of the areas in which the church has failed to help people because we've said to people, just so, if you sow, you will prosper. 
But what given doors, when you look through the Bible, what given doors is that he unlocks, unleashes, activates, and releases grace. Old Testament, New Testament. Grace. When Paul says, the God loves a cheerful giver. And he said, God is able to make all grace abound towards you. So that you always have an all sufficiency. May be able to abound every good work. So your giving does not guarantee the release of commensurate money. It guarantees the flow of grace. That then allows the works of your hands to expand and explode. But people believe that because I love Peter's and I give him a thousand dollars. That then that means, oh, I need to put God on a timer. You now start monitoring a promise God did not make. Because it's easier for you to create a God you can control than a God you worship. Are you, are you getting this now? So yes, give. You're generous. We'll talk about that. So it's a part of it, but guess what? There are other things in the equation. Are we following this? So somebody shout strength of understanding. Shout it louder. Shout it louder. Not knowledge, but understanding. Being able to see the back workings. You cannot wave poverty goodbye if you don't understand it. It will wave you welcome. What's poverty? Why does it happen? What are the statistics? What are the dangers? So, what is poverty? Let me quickly read a couple of things to you. Poverty is a global problem. It's not just a Nigerian problem. It's not just a personal problem. According to the World Bank, in 2015, over 700 million people were living on less than $1.9 a day. The less than $2 million a day, that's about 8% of the world population at that time. Now, while that represents a milestone in 1990, it was over 1 billion. That's still way too many people. That number also ex- includes extreme poverty that is defined by the UN, watch this, as a condition characterized by severe deprivation of basic human needs, including food, safe drinking water, sanitation facilities, health, shelter, education, and information. It depends not only on income, but also access to services. So poverty is not just about the income, it's a part of it, but also access to services. So that tells the people that have money in Nigeria, but they are still living in poverty. Come on, somebody. I said somebody once said Nigeria, the poverty is so rife and so democratized that Nigerians make you pay with time, energy, emotional health, and mental health for what you already paid money for. Are you here? So you pay for a service and you get a disservice because they give you this with your service. Come on, people. You pay for something and you are still monitoring the delivery. And the service provider is shouting at you. The logistics person is like, come and collect your package now. Where are you now? Where are you now? Are you alright? Everybody say, are you alright? Can we understand poverty a little bit? Can we understand it? If you don't understand poverty, you will wave it by in this place and you will embrace it here just because it's wearing different clothes here. 
Because there are people who are driving cars. But their oil is going to take them three years of their working career to pay off that car. So poverty can rebrand itself. It's called packaging. You pay for lights, you don't get it. You pay for water, what, what? What, 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 what? Who's gotten water from? Well, yeah, Lagos that is doing quite well in some parts now. But there was a time even in Lagos where water from the water corporation was not cooperating. You open the tap, like doing vocal training. about money. It's also about access. What do people have access to? Safe drinking water. Quite a big deal. Raise your right hand if you have a borehole in your house. If you have a dispenser in your house. If you buy seaway water in your house. Do you know that if you go to the UK and many parts of America, you can drink the water from the tap safely. But in Nigeria, as you are trying to seaway, you buy seaway and you can no longer seaway. Not like the brand is bad, but the the price is high. Oh, can we talk right now? Calculate how much how much money you've bought on spent on bottled water. It's bottled up a lot of your savings. So the poverty is not just personal; it's systemic. And listen, whenever you have to outdo or outsmart a systemic enemy, it goes beyond your personal prayers. You must have strength of understanding. Can I help you? Yes. yes. Do you know what Shemalagabata Vuzula? It's in the Revelation equation. The role of speaking in tongues is the dispensation of divine intelligence. Don't expect your tongues to go and manipulate your boss and tranquilize him or tease him. Uh, I've heard your prayers in the secret place. I will raise your salary by 300%. Your tongues are in the strength of understanding equation. So Paul said, I will pray in the spirit and I will pray in my understanding. So he said, I speak in tongues more than all of you, but I'll interpret. And interpretation requires sensitivity and patience, which many believers don't want. Many many believers just want, raise your right hand. Everybody raise it. Shout hallelujah seven times. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. At that time, you're in a frenzy. Your brain is not even thinking very straight. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't do that because you're a spirit being. So there are times, I mean, we've done things like that here, but I don't stop with things like that here. Because if I do that, I will activate your dopamine and get you hooked on a prophetic activation. And so you keep looking for similar highs. You become an addicted believer, addicted to the routines of religion. Are you hearing this I mean, if I join this church, it might happen. Maybe if I go for this crusade, 
So many people in Nigeria, I'll speak about this next week or so. Many people in Nigeria are now prostitutes. Well, physically though, but also spiritually. So you have your local church pastor. Then you have your prayer pastor. Then you have your mountaintop prophet. Then you have your seed pastor. He's the one that has the seed revelation. Then you have your Instagram pastor. And many people's Instagram pastor. I'll see the people say, You're my Instagram pastor. See, yeah, I know some of you are on this table, but I want to help you today. Then you have your favorite heart pastor. Then you have your I wish he was my pastor. Prostitution. Why? Because you are looking for something apart from God. Because if you're looking from God, you will stay with the one he gave you. Hard truth. Now, I'm not saying that you know that. I'm not saying don't listen to other pastors. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, what are you, what are you hunting for? So your church is doing immersion this week now. But for some of you, I already think, ah, there's one prayer program that I must attend. Your church is doing fasting. Be like, ah, there's another, there's another faster. Jehovah Sharp Sharp. Be careful of Sharp Sharp places because you might get caught. Someone is like, ah, few times you came to lash us in this first service. Don't worry, second service. <laughs> there will be more. No, I don't mean, I don't mean more lashing. I mean, but is this helping somebody? I just really want to help somebody. And I know that this assignment, but let me tell you, the real work for transformation is harder than shouting. A lot of people shout, but they don't even understand what they're shouting about. Everybody raise your hand. Shout, I can never be poor. Shout, I can never be poor. Shout, I can never be poor. Shout, I Then the person goes after the church service or whatever meeting. A call from the landlord. Person does not pick. Three days, school fees cannot pick. Mechanic is hunting the person, cannot pick. Yet the person will go and shout. Ask yourself, what am I missing? God is not so reluctant. He said, if they are bound in fetters and in courts of affliction, he will tell them their works. Show them their iniquities. What kind of God holds back an answer for months and months? There's secret wisdom. All the treasures of knowledge and wisdom are hid in Christ. So we need to teach more people how to explore the hidden things of God. Are we seeing this now? Listen, the water didn't come out of the rock because water comes out of the rock. 
water came out of the rock because in Moses' exploration of Jehovah Jireh, the key for that dispensation and that season is for water to come out of the rock. Now, no matter how anointed you are right now, go to Olumorok or Asarok. Go and find the gopher wood or the stick that Moses used for the rod. Stand in front of that rock and keep striking it. Everyone say, you're right. <laughs> the key is the instruction. So there are general principles but there are also specific instructions. Poverty rife in the land. People in rural areas are often isolated and lack access to technology, childcare, and education, urban areas, so forth and so forth. Now, the economic dimension of poverty encompasses a standard of living. Listen to this: a standard of living filled with deprivation, malnutrition, poor sanitation. Lack of access to safe drinking water, education, healthcare, and other social services. Is there healthcare in Nigeria? There's health, don't care. Somebody say, I enjoy the healthcare system of heaven. Say, Jesus is my doctor, and angels are my nurses. You know, one of the things you don't want for your family member in Nigeria? A major health challenge. When you have to convert naira to pounds, for good health care or to get a, a helicopter or an air ambulance to fly the person. No health care. Have, haven't you seen celebrities, some cases veterans who have served and worked and entertained people and, and then they have one illness or one ailment and they have to come to social media. Poverty. So they said, poverty is hunger, poverty is lack of shelter, poverty is being sick and not being able to see a doctor. Nigeria, they want police reports and money before they treat. The person is about to die. Somebody shout poverty, die, die, die. The person is about to die. Say, no, no, where is the police report? Are you, are you, sorry, are you right? I don't want to jump the gun, but this is the reason some people here need to have enough resources to have hospitals. Where you can begin to influence the policies and the polity and have a new framework for kingdom governance. Are you getting that? See, I'm taking you on this journey so you can really understand why you have an option to not be poor. Now, I can't promise every believer will be rich. Jesus says, the poor, you will have with you. So, it does not matter. Let an angel show seraphim with seven wings. Sorry, seraphim has six wings. Six wings. And come and pray. Some people, they would be like, this poverty is my own. And in some cases, some adversity will break out like Ukraine and Russia where multi-millionaires are living. So, there are also circumstantial factors to poverty. Okay? Biafra war, circumstantial. Many billionaires became Nairaniers. Uh, uh, Zeroniers. 
And they had to build again. Circumstantial. Who sinned? Were the Igbos more sinful? Than the Hausas? Or the Yorubas? No, tell me, were they? Well, some of you are not sure. Everybody was sinning. So some things are just circumstantial. Are we getting that? Were the believers amongst the Igbos? Were there generous believers amongst the Igbos? Were there prayerful believers amongst the Igbos? What happened? Right? But what I want to offer you today is that there is a choice. Somebody say, I have a choice. Just the same way some of the Igbo people have rebuilt their wealth. Are you following? And some of the Yoruba billionaires back then, their great-grandchildren have squandered their wealth. And now, the people who lost all their wealth have built it back. Somebody shout, I have a choice. I can show you from the Bible. I can show you from culture. I can show you from observational wisdom. Somebody raise your right hand and shout that I have a choice. So poverty is not having access to school and not knowing how to read. Poverty is not having a job. Poverty is the fear of the future. Living one day at a time. Living under a thousand naira because... Um, the standard, the World Bank standard is anybody who's living on less than $2 a day is poor. That's a thousand naira a day. And they say that people who are poor, many times they spend between 40 and 60% of their income just on food. Now, a lot of people in Lagos are poor because they spend on food and transportation. Now, when you throw accommodations that they can, you understand why almost so many people you know, before they renew their rent, it's a faith project. Especially if you want to live in certain areas, some of us live in, and you don't have the wisdom or the strength of understanding, you're just moving. You know, there was somebody, um, I saw something on social media where somebody said, um, somebody was given, okay, he came late to work, right? The guy came late from, to work because he was leaving one of the far ends of town. And he got late to work and then the boss said, oh, you know what? I'm going to move you to, I think a two-bedroom or something in Nikoi or Banan Island or somewhere like that. Of course, many people were like, oh, wow, what a great boss. Hey, And somebody asked a very wise question, not strength of understanding. What happens when it's time to renew the rent? There are some gifts people want to give you. Say, excuse me, sir, please, can you monetize it, sir? You give me a Bentley now, I can take it. I can, any gift you give me, I can take it now. But give me a Bentley now, out of honor and respect, I might use it for a week or two. I'm going to sell it. I'll, with your permission, anyway. Are you, are you not, you're, you're okay? Bentley, I'm not saying don't give me a car. Lamborghini, Ferrari, Maybach. Because see, if you're not careful, changing one part of that car. (laughs) Is another car. The headlamp can make you lose your lights. No, you are a small man in a big car. You don't receive some things, you grow into some things. 
other parameters. There are also other parameters. For example, there are certain things I can do now that I don't do now. Because of you and many people inside this place. I'm not afraid of criticism, but I can see certain people struggling with certain things and I will use certain amounts of money for certain things. But when you become a father, you understand it. I'm not saying I will not do certain things. I'm saying when we have a critical mass of certain people that can also share in the poverty elevation program. (laughs) I told God has a program for the church. So for those of us who are doing well, a part of your income has to go into covering the poor amongst us. Yeah. Poverty is a state of constant lack in one or more of life-sustaining dimensions. It's injustice. It's the opposite of having enough. It causes suffering. It hinders growth and leads to brokenness and affects the individual, their families, their communities, and the entire world. I want to go more personal and deeper. I don't want to raise your hand, but some of you here, you grew up in a poor home. Somebody say poor homes. If a disciples' homes were not poor, you could afford the OR at the end. It was poor. Poor. Where you had to drink Akamu with Ila on top. Bread and dry pepper. Don't say ah. We're all everybody say we're all here. So the people here from rich homes. Not too many people because there are not too many rich people in Nigeria anyway. But so just by the law of statistics, you've got to understand this now. Maybe here you grew up in a hustle. You saw your mom tie money in a wrapper and pray that thunder will fire anybody who steals it. Oh my word. Can I talk this morning? Don't worry, second service. I'll give you more tools for those who are able to wait. Paul! Whenever the registrar came to the class, upstand! Ba 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 ba. Welcome, Miss Registrar. You are welcome to Primary 1B. Bugung, 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 bugung. What's going on? The names of those who have not paid school fees. See, it's the straight face for me. You better loosen up so you can find help. That's a school fees. School fees. Ah, but me pay brother fees. Solo wo die. Time afi shocke. Oh, can I come right now? It's okay for me to shed a few tears. It's okay because this is a deep matter. We understand in first service, we operate in second service. Some of you here, watch this. I don't mean to dig out old pains, but surgery sometimes requires an excavation of hidden things. You knew that your mom slept with men for money. Some of you here know that. There are flashes and images and things from your background. You know that your mom was a good woman, but she was in a bad economy. So poverty can push people 
to a point where they feel they have no choice. Where they feel so disempowered. And watch this. People will oftentimes break their rules to meet their needs. People will tell you, I have no choice. Some of you here, I don't want to look so close so that my prophetic gifts won't pick you out. You slept with somebody to pay for your school fees in university. Mr. Lecturer. What's that girl's name that they sang about? Olufumi, wasn't it? Bimbo. Owo Yemi. Owo Yemi. Owo Yemi. All the bimbos back then, they suffered. <laughs> My name is Bimbo. Bimbo, Owo Yemi. What you say? What you say? The sad thing is some people's names are actually been bored with me. You slept with somebody for money and you were like, oh well, I'm doing it just because of this. And somebody wants to tell me that it's okay for people to remain poor. I've shown you that it's okay if you choose to remain poor. I've shown you that. But there are some of you who are too gifted, too anointed, too enlightened, too talented, too in this place. So say, but there are people that there's what? Is there what in your life? But there are people that don't have talent. You don't have talent. You that when you do your social media posts, you hide on that car to record video. You do it like this. You do it like this. Look at your neighbor. Say poverty doesn't fit you. The way I'm looking at you. Please help me look at somebody that for real, for real, poverty no fit. If nobody looks at you, that's a problem. Because it means they think poverty fits you. Can I bring it home? second service if you can stay for second service stay for second services second service I'm going to show you the different kinds of poverty I'm going to show you more of the dangers of poverty I'm going to show you God's program for the poor I'm going to show you why I will prefer my personal preview if I had to choose for you no seriously why I prefer that you're not poor <laughs> me I, you do, I prefer that you're not poor some of you might be like, no, 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 poverty is my portion. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, years of conditioning. I will show you bad theology as well. The Lord makes rich, the Lord makes poor. See that in the Bible? It says the rich and the poor, the Lord made them both. The Lord made them both does not mean the Lord made them so. The Lord makes rich, the Lord makes poor. Next thing, the next line says, he lifts the poor out of the dunghill. So is the Lord confused? <laughs> God understand bad theology. The Bible has the voice of man, the voice of the devil, and the voice of God. Woe unto you, rich. Which of the rich is it talking about? The poor you have always with you. He didn't say the poor you shall always be. You, you got to know how to rightly divide. 
the word of truth. I have a comment to close early. Let's stand. You don't understand. Let's sit. Second service will continue. I want us to thank God for light. I spent the majority of this service exposing bad theology. You know why? It does not matter how good the phone is. If you don't know how to work it, it won't serve you as well or as long or as much. You must have a healthy framework of God for wealth and riches. Let me just say this one of the thing one of the things about God. God does not focus on your wallet. God focuses on your heart. But many times the way you interact with your wallet tells him a lot about your heart. So you're going to see poor people in the kingdom. You're going to see rich people in the kingdom. Health theology is man looks at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. In other words, man looks at the outward appearance of someone who's poor and judges him based on his poverty. But God is looking at his heart and is rich in faith. And for some people are rich in diligence, but they were born into a constricting culture. Listen, let me tell you what some of you might not realize. Some of you right now in Africa, you are doing much better than your multi-millionaire friend in the UK. So your multi-millionaire friend, he has a million dollar app that is working. If you don't have that friend, that's a problem. Well, it's not, it's not a problem, but you should have some people in your life that are doing right. Um, now, if you're like, oh, but I'm so far behind because I'm just earning 250,000 naira. Maybe I'm not working hard enough. No. He's in a system where with little support, he's exploding. You're in a system where with a lot of work, you're suffocating. God looks at the heart. So when God is going to judge the, the output of your productivity in the season, he will factor in if it's God that told you to stay in Nigeria. Oh. <laughs> where you are sent. If you are not where you are sent, you are not on the register. Zero. <laughs> it's zero, it's zero. If you like, go to Winnipeg, you'll not win there. You might just have a peg. Right? But if you're where God sent you, don't forget, the Bible never says, God is not unfaithful to reward your results of love. It says, not unfaithful to forget your labor. So what God primarily rewards is faithfulness in labor, not magnitude of results. Because results can be based on many factors that may not be your fault. A 200 member church in a village that has a thousand people is a bigger church than a 20,000 church in Lagos. Because there are 20 million people in Lagos. So 20,000 people is 0.1%. But 200 people in that 1,000 place is 20%. So that church has, has captured 20% of the city. Are you seeing that? This is the reason. Don't be obsessed with material metrics. They don't tell the full story. A church can have 2,000 people. And by the grace and mercy of God, one day we're going to have that number. But a church can have 2,000 people. And another church has 300, which is about the number we are now. 300 regular attenders, right? 
But in the church of 300 regular attenders, you have a hundred disciples, not just attenders, hundred disciples that carry weight in the spirit. And in the 2000 member church, you have 200 or maybe 300 or 500 disciples. The spiritual weight of this church is higher than that. Because the Bible never says go into all the world and gather followers. It says go and make disciples. It's more work to make disciples than to attract attendees. Marketing can attract attendees. Having a fuel uh, financial injection. Are you following that? So when God is weighing the work, there are parameters that are beyond, hey, hey, see that please? He was buzzing, see if there was fire on the roof. Heart. You know how they say this person is smaller, but she weighs heavier because she has big bones. So discipleship are the big bones of God. So you never despise what you're doing if it's God that sent you to do it. Even in your finances, it may not look like it. But can we just thank it for light? I think above all, that's one of the things God has given us in this house. Or one of the top things and also in the service. Thank him for light. And in the second service, we're going to go further. Sunakaba, tiradovas, shupretakavi, zablatus. Thank him for illumination. Thank him for light. I can see clearly now. I can see clearer now. I can see clearer now. For some of you might have questions and concerns, just still thank him for light. Still thank him for light. But we'll still talk about poverty. We'll still talk about waving a goodbye. But thank him for light. Thank you, Lord. understanding. Thank you for your wisdom that we have received this morning. Thank you Lord because going forward we know what to do. We know how to do. We know how to operate in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the word that we have received through your son. We ask oh God that you will bless him indeed. Thank you Lord God because this blessing flows through him to Pastor Toju and to the boys in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, because we experience your goodness all through the days of our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Hallelujah. You can clap if you want to clap. Generation is rising on an emerging generation of kings. To join this growing community of kings, visit www.kingdomcentral.org.
and send your full name and email address to 0908-123-4566. One more thing, someone you know needs this. Kindly share this now.